0: Well, name image likeness obviously impacting uh, teams across the country and right here in the Big 12. And I want to see what's going on on that front with K State. And we now welcome on and say hi to Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. Be sure to check those guys out. Everything involved with K State, they will uh, definitely get you up to speed. Of course, I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is how you find us. Tim, uh, this new insane, ridiculous world of name image likeness. Where is K-State on this in terms of, let's just be honest, having the people to fund what needs to be funded to more or less pay players to now come play for Kansas State? Where are they on that issue?
1: Uh, well, it's a great question, Pete. There's a couple levels to this. In, in terms of how the NIL was designed and, and you know what it was thought it was going to be, even though we all knew it would be bent to uh, ridiculous proportions like it has been which is, you know, awarding players within your existing programs that have had success, um, you know, arranging deals with uh, companies that want to use your your notoriety for, you know, endorsements, and even helping out some of the walk-ons that uh, aren't fully funded. There's two different collectives at K-State accomplishing those things. Uh, big money? No, but, you know, they're, they're in there. They're, they're doing stuff. But, of course, the ugly side of this is, turned into a recruiting tactic, which we all knew would happen. Uh, The NCAA completely ignored what was obvious to the rest of us. And and now we've got this Wild West of players getting offered money by either collectives or individuals that own companies that are connected to universities that uh, are trying to influence the recruiting process, which is still supposed to be against NCAA rules. Um, They're going to try to step in. I was just reading an article about the lawyer behind the entire uh lawsuit that, that started this and and let's be clear i'm i'm in favor of players having rights to their own name image and likeness it's, it's kind of a it's re, it was always ridiculous the NCAA kind of took that from people mm-hmm. um and uh but he he now thinks he's got further lawsuits because the NCAA is trying to stop uh cheating in the recruiting world and i'm thinking I'm beginning to wonder if this guy is really working on behalf of athletes now or if he just wants to destroy the NCAA, which he's getting pretty close to doing if the NIL keeps going in the direction it is.
0: Well, that's, I mean, Tim, like the idea of uh, a player, you know, uh, getting paid by a car dealership in Manhattan to appear on a billboard is certainly a fine intent, but that is in no way what this thing has turned into and the leadership or lack thereof from the NCAA is really where the blame has to be, right? It's it's way out of control. They were way behind the curve. And now they're looking at Congress to bail them out. And if you're looking to Congress to fix anything in your life or your profession, I mean, you're <laughs> going to wait a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not hopeful the federal government could get that right. Um, and leaving it up to 50 states isn't going to work. At, at the end of the day, the NCAA has to find a way to regulate this without infringing on the rights of of student athletes. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a balance to be found in there without blowing up the system. Uh, but what we've already seen are, are things like the Nigel Pack endorsement for LifeWallet, which uh, there's no way a guy like Nigel Pack can, you know, it can be justified that he's worth $400,000 a year in endorsement money. Now, if your LifeWallet, setting Nigel Pack's name aside, Jumping into this space so, should I say violently, with such an, a ludicrous thing has gotten them a lot of pre, pre-publicity, even whether it's Nigel Pack or some other players. So I'm not sure they really cared who it was, but they got one of the best players in the transfer portal. And I, I don't think any of us understand how that, heck, Nigel Pack's name would image and likeness would drive that kind of money to their business and that's that's where it's getting a little absurd
0: yeah it is now from the k-state perspective let's start with football um you know i mean a guy like deuce vaughn theoretically you know could have hopped in the portal and gone to alabama florida texas wherever uh, if they're willing to pay him i mean what what and now he's staying obviously and thank goodness love having him a k-state but like if you think about K State football, what are the odds the next Deuce Vaughn has a great freshman year as Deuce did a couple of years ago, and then says, "You know what? I'm going to get paid at at Texas." What does something like that mean for K State football, and can they keep those guys in this uh, current environment that we're going to be living in, at least for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how um, this isn't just going to turn into a giant shell game because. When that happens to K-State, K-State does that to Akron, and Akron does it to, you know, a, a 1AA program, and on down we go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be constant recruiting from other people's rosters. And and I think that's where coaches are most alarmed. Uh, there is a lot, a lot of recruiting going on from other rosters, which should be an NCAA violation. There's no way that should be going on with trying to lure players into the transfer portal to end up at your school, but... It is going on, and the irony is um, K State was accused of that by Minnesota with Kai Thomas and I'm told K State didn't do that. It just you know it, it was PJ Fleck just screaming foul because he's losing a player and ended up losing them to Kansas anyhow. so it's just uh, it's a mess. it's the mm-hmm. whole the whole situation is a mess. but Pete, getting back to what you said, it's a mess because the NCAA – Instead of addressing their court cases that they lost, or the transitions that they were facing, you know, it's like the kids are playing with matches. Instead of, you know, trying to solve that problem, you went in the front yard and watched them burn the house down. (laughs) Um, That's basically how the NCAA has taken care of this. They've they've pouted and sat in the corner because they lost a court case. They didn't feel like they should lose, and uh, it's led to a giant, giant just turmoil within college athletics.
0: What is Chris Kleiman saying about this? I mean, he feels like the kind of guy that, you know, came up through the system old school way in North Dakota State and just kind of building programs, building teams. I, it, it feels like, as you noted, now with recruiting of players on rosters happening all over college football, if you're a guy like Chris Kleiman that's trying to build up, you know, 2-3 and the occasional four-star guy and mold the best team you can – Uh, and have these guys together two, three, four years to build that kind of camaraderie and that, you know, team environment, Uh, this has got to be extra concerning. What is Coach Kleiman saying?
1: Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, You know, aside from the fact that you lose key players, it's just completely destructive to your locker room environment, which has always been so important for a Kansas State to really emphasize, to have a more cohesive team than maybe a team with, uh, you know, a greater sum of parts in, in terms of athletes. And K-State's always benefited from that. And it's going to be harder and harder to keep that. <clears throat> and we already saw it happen in Miami. Nigel Pack gets $400,000. And one of the top players on the team that was there for the Elite Eight runs, like, hey, how about me? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to create locker rooms more of a, you know, kind of a professional feel where there's going to be jealousy about income. And, and I I don't think any college coach is in the business to worry about that on top of recruiting. That's just a giant, giant mess.
0: Yeah, it is uh, absolutely a giant mess. And I think about, you know, what do you think Bill Snyder would be doing right now in this environment? I don't. And saying, I,
1: I, I, you know, I, I know it was a painful departure when he retired, but I'm just so thankful that coach didn't have to go through the pandemic followed by all of this yeah. Uh, because – and and I think we're seeing other coaches around the country say, oh, the hell with it. I, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not why I signed up to coach college kids to deal with salaries and, and all of the things going on. So uh, I'm kind of thankful he stepped away for his own sanity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now on the basketball side uh, for K-State, uh, Tim, uh, Jerome Tang, you mentioned the Nigel Pack situation a lot of turnover, Uh, I mean, but people seem to be very much enthusiastic about Jerome Tang and what he brings, not just as a coach but as an individual, which I know is important to to folks there in Manhattan. Uh, Maybe a bit of a slow start, some would say, as he's got to basically turn over an entire roster, but how is he he holding up in, in this kind of an environment, which is frankly even crazier in basketball because you're trying to put together seven, eight decent guys and you don't know who's going where.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult. And one thing I do appreciate is they've, they've taken a methodical approach. You know, they're not just, um, there's two ways you can handle this as a new coach. You can just grab the best players you possibly get a hold of uh, and, and build an instant roster and then try to construct around that, figure out who's, you know, really fits your program. And I, I think uh, Coach Gates at at has done a good job with that. He's he's gotten in there and just it's found a bunch of pretty good players and it's going to have an instant impact. Um, Coach Tang is kind of backed up and, and they're attempting to really try to construct a roster from day one that may not be as competitive next season as many of us hoped or thought, uh, but they're, they're trying to find a sustainable roster in terms of how they've allocated their scholarships between classes and positions that, um, You know, We'll give them a foundation for years to come because uh, I think Jerome Tang and company are planning to be here a very long time. This is not a stop-through as far as we can tell. It sure does sound like he's come here to stay until he's done coaching.
0: And why did Jerome Tang ultimately take this job? A guy who's been there at Baylor for 20 years under Scott Drew, what was it about Manhattan, about K-State, in this crazy NIL environment, knowing that you know he could lose a guy like Nigel Pack to Miami, paying almost half a million dollars, what was it that made this job attractive to him compared to others that he's turned down?
1: You know, I see so many uh, parallels between him and Bill Snyder, uh, another longtime assistant under a proven coach in Hayden Fry, uh, that uh, had been approached and turned away uh, coaching opportunities at other schools. Uh, and, and something clicked with K-State with both of these men, and really it was kind of around the people and, and everything that, you know, K-Staters are proud about their uh, institution, and I, I think they they came to Manhattan for the same reasons, and I'm not certainly not comparing them as coaches and what the results will be, but uh, it worked very well for K-State with Bill Snyder, someone who, you know, didn't become a head coach until he was almost 50, and Jerome Tang's a little bit older than that, but um it's it's going to be fun to watch how the program develops and i i think uh k-state isn't as underarmed in the nil race as some people might suspect even myself from a few years ago i am continually astonished by the amount of money that is donated for for building projects that k-state i i just can't fathom how so many people have this amount of money but they have done a great job of tapping into the donor class uh, at K-State. That is uh, really powerful, and I think Jerome Tang senses that. Uh, they may not have some of the big guns that Baylor does, but I think consistently across the board, they're going to have just as much money to compete at that level. Oklahoma-Texas level? No, not really. But uh, they'll hold their own in the
0: new Big 12. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Tim Fitzgerald, go Power Cat on the field. Let's talk quarterback, obviously. Adrian Martinez, uh, projected starter, but we know he's kind of been down dealing with uh, recovery from an injury. So the Nebraska transfer at quarterback, uh, What have you had any interactions with him? I know Chris Kleiman keeps all this stuff close to the vest, but how do you feel about it sitting here in May versus how you felt about it when the news first came down a few months ago that he would be coming to Manhattan?
1: Well, we had him at a couple press conferences. They, they rolled him out um, at – a pre-spring press conference, actually it was a pre-signing day type thing where we had all the transfers uh, come in. and But we actually had him at the table for a good 10 minutes for all the media to talk with. Uh, and then he came back at the end of spring. Um, and he's a pro. I mean, you can tell he's been through the spotlight a lot at Nebraska. You get a lot of media. Big 10, of course, you're you know in the spotlight quite a bit. Handled it very well. Um, and I think we all recognize that, A, he has to be healthy which it sounds like he made incredible progress in the spring and was back to throwing a ball at least by the end of the spring, even though he remained in no contact. And uh, he's got to edit his game the same way Skylar Thompson had to edit his game uh, and get rid of some of the bad habits that were leading to you know, bad outcomes. Uh, I think part of his problem at Nebraska was uh, just a constant pressure to help that program get over the hump. Uh, and that pressure ended up in him making some mistakes that that resulted in in failure of that task. And I don't think he's going to have the same pressure on him here. Um, And I think also being paired with Deuce Vaughn in the backfield will be really good for him, Uh, along with the simple fact that if you needed a quarterback coach who understands the importance of, uh, as a running quarterback first, to take care of your body, to understand the defense, to get into the right play, uh, and know what your limitations are as a passing quarterback, where you can put the ball. Colin Klein's the perfect guy for Adrian Martinez to get him through that. And I think uh, Adrian realized that early on. And he probably did pick K-State, you know, initially because his girlfriend is here. But um, I sense that he's very sold on the system and the program in which he now exists. and uh, Mm -hmm. A lot will ride on him. Uh, And and I'm hopeful for the kid. Uh, he's a he's a tremendous talent. He just has to get rid of some of these bad habits, with the turnovers.
0: Before we continue with Tim Fitzgerald, hey, uh, we are launching multiple podcasts. By the way, we've got our Bedlam podcast that is out right now. We're launching Texas Tech, uh, Kansas. So we are actively looking for Big Twelve podcasters as well. So reach out to me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com dot com if you want to get involved with our Heartland College Sports podcast network. And also, if you can leave a rating and a review on this show, we'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Leave a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Now back to Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. Colin an offensive coordinator. Uh, is this, are we going to live up to that hype of, I mean, it's a big spot for him, obviously. Uh, we know. The uh, criticism that came on his predecessor, he now walks in as the golden boy. He called a great bowl game against LSU, but you know we always you can't over you can't I guess um, take those bowl games and think that they're going to mean a lot necessarily. So how do you feel about Colin Klein, Tim?
1: Well, I don't think it's too much pressure to ask for back to back national championships, Pete. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it's it's – it's going to be interesting. Uh, you're right. And you, you have to admit LSU was depleted in that bowl yes, game. Yes, yes. But just watching the nuance and, and how he went about his play calling, the tempo of the game, <clears throat> the rhythm which the players played with, which I think was something that it's hard to define, but you could tell players are more uh, in sync with the play calling and, and the tempo of the game. Uh, I think his biggest changes are he's going to bring some elements back of the Snyder playbook. I think he really liked some elements of the and messingham playbook that he inherited. Uh, But I also saw, you know, almost Andy Reid wrinkles in in what he did at the bowl game, Uh, particularly on third down with, uh, you know, deceptive, uh, a lot of uh, players going this way and that way to create space. Um, A lot of movement pre- and post-snap that I I found very entertaining and and effective. So this is going to be fun. Uh, But I think really on early with this program it's going to be about managing the tempo and understanding that he wants to go faster but you can't go so fast that you put your defense in peril uh, like a lot of the offenses do out there because they just go so fast the defense has never rested mm-hmm. so it's going to be fun to watch i think he's going to be a really creative play caller that's cool uh, and and i'll be i'll be blunt i mean courtney messian was not that uh, and he had some nice wrinkles but i didn't feel like he used them very effectively or well-timed. And and I sense from the bowl game, at least Colin has a better feel for that.
0: Yeah, no, there was a lack of creativity, putting it politely, uh, with the predecessor, Courtney Messingham. I want to get your thoughts, Tim. Now that we know Houston, UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati are coming to the Big 12 in 2023, probably at least a couple of years with Oklahoma and Texas. This is going to be, I don't, and I'm not saying it's going to be the best football conference in America. It's not. But it is going to be the most fun for especially a couple of seasons with this overlap. Are you as excited about this as I am? Or are you uh, not anticipating and looking forward to that trip out to Provo, Utah?
1: Well, yes, a lot there. I'm very excited about the new Big 12. Uh, If it was my preference, Oklahoma and Texas would buy their way out and leave uh, next year. Uh, But I don't see that happening for you know a couple of reasons one it would be very expensive and two the SEC is already set up with tv schedules that would get hard to manage um and the reset happens in 25 with all that so um i uh, in fact the, to to my own horn i just put up a plan at go powercat on on wednesday morning outlining how the conference can best schedule nine conference games with 14 teams. And and anyone who does math knows 14 is the worst number with which to try to to schedule. You're so much better off at 12 and 16. Uh, And I think I came up with a creative way to be fair to everyone, maintain rivalries, uh, and and capitalize on the presence of Oklahoma and Texas. If they're not willing to pay the buyout, I think there should be some added benefit here uh, from them remaining in the conference. And my plan would have them in their two seasons remaining playing home and aways with every, of, every, all four of the new schools uh, to help boost their profile, prove their media rights have value, uh, because I think if Cincinnati and Oklahoma played, uh, it would get a pretty darn good national audience and not just because of Oklahoma. Uh, and I, I think the same with the Texas BYU series that happened, I don't know how many years ago that was, that was pretty valuable stuff, and I, I'd like to see that a big 12 benefit from that. Um, so it, I think it's an interesting plan I came up with. It's kind of doing uneven pods in which there's a, a Southwest conference with West Virginia in there, uh, a big eight pod and an American pod with BYU included, and then Texas and Oklahoma are in their own pod, uh, so that they can be scheduled around and kind of treated differently than everyone else, because you know what, they are different than everyone else. They're not mm-hmm. going to be part of the new big 12. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fired up for the Big 12. And one more thing, uh, you brought up the, the equity, the competitive nature. And one of my colleagues at 24-7 Sports really believes that um, the Big 12 is an ideal candidate for uh, contracts with CBS, as I do. Um, but he took it one step further. He sees value in, in the Big 12 being able to program across so many time zones, filling slots on the, on the network if necessary, on CBS Sports, but also the, the Paramount Plus platform. And his idea was as we move to integrate sports gambling into the college game more and more, that Paramount Plus um, platform off, might offer people the ability to actually do in-game live gambling on Big 12 football, which is we all recognize is the most competitive and most volatile uh, source for gambling. I mean, you just can't predict games. And I think the new Big 12 is going to be even more that way uh, and it's going to be great for uh, sports gamblers and very entertaining product. And he sees value in that in the new future, which I think is a really, really good point as we integrate sports gambling on both sides of the Kansas City line.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, as uh, someone who's already got Paramount Plus is a big Yellowstone fan. I'll take that, Tim. I will take that, <laughs> my man. So I
1: love that. I'll tell you what. It's great programming, and, and I can't wait for them to use it more for sports. And for the life of me, I don't know why Turner doesn't get back into college football. It just seems logical. And we're gonna this is going to be a lot of fun over the next year or two as these all these rights fees, rights, media rights fees, you know, get negotiated out. Yeah. It's going to be incredible to watch.
0: It sure is. He is Tim Fitzgerald, Go Power Cat. They do great work as part of the uh, 247 Sports Network. Tim, always great to have you on, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Pete.
1: I always appreciate
0: it. He's Tim Fitzgerald. Great stuff. Hey, uh, make sure to leave a rating and a review. Take out 30 seconds. Do it for me. Please, pretty please. And uh, I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Hit that subscribe button and take care.